The following program is underwritten in part by Schmidt's Naturals. Smell seriously amazing and support animal conservation with Schmidt's special edition Lily of the Valley Natural Deodorant. Created in collaboration with the Jane Goodall Institute, 5% of each purchase goes to animals in the wild. Learn more and pick up your stick now at schmitz.com. The following program is also underwritten in part by... My dog Annie recently broke her leg. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Wow, a doozy of a show today, huh? Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic show. Of course, your call's at 1-866-405-8405. Go ahead, call right now. Judy will get you in queue to talk to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Villani. In just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Dave Barry, the very funny author and writer, Dave Barry, who uh, just wrote a book. Another book. Another book. Yeah, he only has like 15 million books. Yeah. Uh, but this one about a dog. And his le- dog. And lessons he's learned from his dog. Uh, so I'm excited about that. i got to tell you, you know what? I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I've interviewed lots of big celebrities before, uh-huh. but this guy here, I've he always admired him. Though. Yes. He makes me nervous. Okay. So, Joey, you also make me nervous at times. What do you have today? Really? Do, do people really want to cut their dog's nails at home? Um, so we're Ooh. going to talk about that. We're going to be talking about cutting your dog and or, and or cat's nails at home and after I explain it, you know, maybe you don't want to do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go to line two for Dr. Debbie. Hi, Patsy. Hi. How are you doing today? Well, doing pretty good. Good. Pretty, pretty good. Nice day. Where are you calling from? Uh, North Carolina. North Carolina. I don't hear the southern draw in your voice there. Well, I lived here till I was 13, and then uh, my father took a job up in Indiana, oh. so I ended up in Naperville, Illinois, outside of Chicago. Oh, oh okay. Oh. Back in kind of my area. I'm from Hammond, Indiana, so not oh, too far yeah, from yeah. those woods. <laughs> I went to Purdue, so... <laughs> Yay! Awesome! Yeah. A fellow Boilermaker. <laughs> yeah, I'm an old Boilermaker, yeah. <laughs> sure am. <laughs> What can I do for you, Patsy? Well, I uh, have a problem and uh, can't seem to get it solved. I um, have a multi-poo, and she's three years old. And ever since I've had her, I mean, I'm uh, she's a, a definitely an inside dog. You know, I don't let her out. She's white, number one. And um, I just, uh, she's paper trained. She, she's the sweetest dog, smart as a whip. But I can't get her to eat anything uh, like, you know, like hard food. I've tried every kind of hard food. Well, she just turns her nose up and walks off. So uh, she wants everything that she sees goes in my mouth. Uh (laughs) Well, let me ask you this. Patsy, do you end up giving it to her? Yeah. Well, okay. No, 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 not like if I was eating ice cream or an avocado or anything like that. You know, cho- no chocolate. I mean, I know what not to feed her, but I mean, for like a meal, you know, if I first when when I have my meal for dinner, you know, she always wants to 
eat what I cook, you know, like. And uh, I, I and, think, Patsy, I think <laughs> I think you're gonna you're just about to get a tough love speech. Okay, I, I feel well, it. So I am. I'm at my wits' end, and um, uh, I just don't. I just wanted to get another opinion. All right. So, yeah. So there's two different directions that we really go with um, a dog in this situation. And this is a problem I see a lot in toy breed dogs. And I think there are some different reasons for that and that some of it's kind of owner driven and how we treat these cutesy little tiny adorable creatures. <laughs> so um, a lot of times the rules change when we have a large dog versus a small dog. So if a small dog doesn't eat, a lot of time there there becomes a panic. What do we do? Oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. she's got to eat. You know, she's so small. So that can make it difficult to discern if we really have a medical problem or if we just have a dog that knows how to push her buttons. So um, the causes of medical causes of a little dog that might not have a strong appetite can be many different things. And I always kind of look back at if there's anything else going on medically in their world. So if they're vomiting or having any change in stool patterns, you know, that might be significant and give me a direction towards something more of a digestive nature. Um, if a pet's not gaining weight well or losing weight, then that makes us think of some other things as well as, you know, if there's weakness in the legs, anything like that. So the things that can cause um, a small dog to not eat well that are medical in nature can involve things like liver shunts, um, basically a um, congenital problem um, in which the liver does not process um, toxins normally. It has to be specially tested for with a certain type of a test called a bile acid test. Um, so that might be something to think about. It is more common in little dogs. That's why we think of that. Um, some other medical things can involve a disease called Addison's disease, which involves the adrenal glands. And um, another would be a pancreatic insufficiency. And then teeth and underbites actually can cause problems with appetite. Um, and usually the way that manifests itself is if there's tooth striking tooth. So normally dogs should have a scissor bite where the teeth just kind of magically kind of yeah. scissor between each other without striking each other. Um, when they don't have that, that creates trauma to the tooth surface. There are dogs that if we see this kind of tooth striking, and even before they have any problems, we may preventively extract some teeth that could give us a little room for things to move around. I did this to my own um, Yorkie mix when he was just under, uh, I think he was just under a year, 18 months, because he was not eating well. And we had to extract several teeth. I think it was six teeth we took out of him before he was even two years of age. They weren't bad, but they were definitely causing a crowding issue. And then once we pulled those teeth, his appetite did improve. So, um, yeah. I was wondering. I know uh, uh, she's scheduled now for... um uh, in two weeks to get her teeth cleaned. I have those okay. done, that done periodically, and I even good, asked the good. pharmacist, I mean, not the pharmacist, but the veterinarian, uh, did he think that uh, how her teeth looked? And he said, I look fine, because I brush them every day with a, with mm-hmm. a vet. Yeah. He gave me wow. toothpaste and stuff. Yeah. And uh, so she has really good teeth. Uh, it's just that uh, he said he didn't think, uh, you know, that... Um, that had anything to do with it. He thinks that, yeah. that she just thinks that she, you know, looks at me the wrong way. That I'm sure, going to her, you know, what she wants. And I, I purchased every, but I just, just been, I just bought a can of the blue. 
Yeah. Had- I'm sorry, Patsy, I'm going to cut you off a little bit because I'm running short on time here. Um, so when your dog does get her teeth clean, I'm going to make sure that you ask your veterinarian to ensure that there's not damage to those other teeth. And we have to take x-rays to, to do that. So make sure that he does that. But then okay. this is where the tough love talk comes about, you know, these picky eaters. So if we have a dog that we've kind of created um, a little bit of food time drama um, and we want to change that and we're, you know, we even ruled out that there's not a medical problem, it really does take a unified front on everybody in the household. So that means, you know, we put our food down. It stays for 30 minutes, gets taken away. We offer it again, maybe two to three times during the day, and then it does not come out. We don't supplement with treats. We don't talk to our dogs when they're eating um, because we're actually giving them attention. So we want to give attention only when they're not eating. The worst thing we can do would be to say, here, baby, here's a little food, and start hand feeding or trying to make more drama around the meal time. So it should be kind of no drama time for mama and um, just let the meal be its meal. Um, And then, you know, the other thing that I find really can help with appetite is exercise. So a good walk or a good, uh, you know, trip to the parks, doing something actually stimulates um, the metabolism and it can also improve appetite. So that's a, a really good thing to look at as well. Um, and then, you know, for me, it's really not a matter of picking the right food. It's kind of really picking the situation that we're going to stick to a certain food and as long as there's not a medical problem knowing that she's going to eat it or not <laughs> well, she, uh, um, uh, ironically she uh, she'll eat the dry food like uh, if i give it to a feeder out of my hand uh, see. and that's where you know we don't we don't want that to be a, a mealtime dependent on us um, that just creates more uh, unhealthy um, future eating patterns. So, yeah. So uh, I would ask you to change that. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, Patsy? We all do this, and, and it's not really good. I mean, I catch myself feeding my dogs sometimes table scraps or from my hand or making a big deal about it. And I'm learning. I'm going to back off on doing that kind of stuff. How used to feed me by hand, Yeah, and he stopped. And I, I had to stop better. feeding Joey by hand, too. Well, if you didn't whine so much for the ice cream and the candy, then we wouldn't have to feed it to you. <laughs> if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani right now, toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Schmidt's Naturals. Smell seriously amazing and support animal conservation with Schmidt's Special Edition Lily of the Valley Natural Deodorant. It was created in collaboration with the Jane Goodall Institute, and 5% of each purchase supports animals in the wild. It's available now at Whole Foods Markets and at Schmitz.com, and thank you, Schmitz, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. <laughs> Hi, this is Paul Rogers and Cynthia Rogers on Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right, meow. (laughs) (laughs) And now an Animal Radio news brief. I'm Stacy Cohen for Animal Radio. Turns out even alligators feel guilt every now and then, according to uh, Miami TV station WFOR. Mario Aldecetto's camera was stolen by one of the reptiles while he was feeding and photographing them at the Everglades Alligator Farm in Homestead. Mario says he wrote the camera off, adding he just felt lucky that the gator didn't grab one of his arms. But eight months later, an employee spots an alligator climbing out of the pond 
with a camera strap wrapped around its leg and the camera dragging behind it. Mario said the camera was badly damaged, had a number of bite marks on it, but with the help of a pair of pliers, he was able to yank out the memory card. It contained only one usable picture. Mario said that photo and the camera, they're now on display at the alligator farm. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at AnimalRadio.pet. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to AnimalRadio.pet. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And I just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet. And you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals, and for the environment. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Our pets and animals mean so much in our lives that when they leave our lives, we look for unique ways to memorialize them, to pay tribute to them. It's no longer just acceptable to bury an animal in the backyard. In fact, is it actually I think it's actually illegal. illegal. It's actually illegal, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, there's uh, a whole host of reasons you're not supposed to do that, from contaminating the the soil, the water, to um, you know being unhygiene and bacteria. Other animals dig it up too. Exactly that too. Of, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so you don't do that anymore. But what about turning them into a diamond or into a, a wine glass? That's so cool. That would be cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Or shooting them up into space. What? Do you remember that news story you did, Lori, a couple of weeks back about the guy who sent or wants to send his cat's cremains up into space? That NASA. Oh yeah, Pikachu. Yeah, Pikachu. Yeah, Pikachu the cat. Yeah. So his owner, his owner, is going to talk to us about exactly the truths and fallacies of that particular story there, because there were a couple of things that just got you know the media picked it up and they maybe embellished it a little bit. But he is well, he's he like worked for NASA, right? So I mean, well, that was that was the word, but that's not. From what I understand, that is not the case. We'll find out. Okay, okay. And it's coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. He wants to send his cat's cremains up into space. I think that's a wonderful way to yeah. memorialize an animal. Awesome. And apparently, the way he wants to do it is so it, it's a satellite and it goes around the Earth so you can track it. track it and know when it's passing overhead. Wow. That's so cool because I know I used to stand out on my deck and watch this um, not uh, space shuttle. I want to say space shuttle, space but station. It's the, that's it. Yep. Watch the space station go overhead, and, and that was just wonderful to know that you are watching, you know, something that there are, cool? are people inside there. Yeah. yeah. So it would be the same way with. Well, you, you wouldn't actually see it, but uh, you would know when it's passing overhead. I'm sure that's would be some kind of tribute to your pet. Yeah, that would yeah. be. So we're going to have him on in just a few minutes. Uh, he's on the way, Steve Munt, in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also next hour, Dave Barry, author and writer Dave Barry, will be joining us. But right now it's all about you. 
Hi, Donna. Hi, how are you? Very good. How are you doing today? Where I'm, you, I'm where, good. Where are you calling from? From Hernando, Mississippi. Hernan- it's about 15 miles south of Memphis. I just love your southern drawl. <laughs> Isn't it cute? I uh, love it. <laughs> well, Donna, how can we help you today? I have the good doctor, Dr. Debbie White, here. Well, uh, I have a bulldog who is a year and a half, and she has what the specialist has told me is cyclic alopecia. She has hair loss on both sides. One side is worse than the other. Um, She's not my first bulldog, and so when she first started losing her hair, I wasn't too alarmed because I went through this with another bulldog, and it turned out to be food allergy. Um, However, um, they don't seem to think that's what her problem is. Um, We are on a food diet right now doing a hypoallergenic diet, um, but the vet really didn't give me much hope for her hair growing back. And I just wondered, is there, are you familiar with anything that might help or know of anything else I might could do? Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and you're talking about cyclical or what we call seasonal flank alopecia, which is basically exactly. kind of a smooth hair loss that happens on the sides. And it's usually, you know, even on both sides, right. it tends to happen at certain times of the year. And it, the trick is, and you kind of got to some of this with the food allergy, is that this can look like a lot of different skin diseases. So it's kind of a diagnosis by exclusion. So we try to eliminate all those other possibilities. And what I'll usually do is do skin scrape testing, looking for mites. Yeah, um, we'll that. do um, a testing for hormone problems, thyroid disorders, adrenal gland. Uh, we even do skin biopsy. And that's usually the way that we kind of rule out those other possibilities. So I don't know how much of that kind of work was done with your baby there. They um, they have ruled out a thyroid. They did some blood work, and they did do okay. the skin scraping and have ruled out any kind of mite or, you know, okay. anything like that. So um, I just kind of wanted to get your input and see if there was anything else you're aware of that I could do. Uh-huh. Um, to- Okay, yeah, and I'd say in the back of my mind, I'd, I'd probably still like to get a skin biopsy because it's going to give us the best answer with with more certainty that that's what we got. Um, and that can be done fairly easily in many cases with just a local anesthetic. We just take small little skin biopsies, so it's not necessarily an anesthetic type thing. Okay. So th- that would be best. Now, if it is the seasonal alopecia, there I have had some dogs have good results with melatonin. And what generally um, we'll treat for, for that or with that for about three months and given it really once a day to twice a day, depending on the dog's size and the dose that we end up using. Um, but in many cases, that can help. Um, but the magic is once we treat with that, you can expect next year that the hair loss is going to happen again. So if we do have that cycle and a pet responds to melatonin, I'll tend to restart that the next year. Uh, shortly before we expect those signs to occur. Otherwise, you know, it's kind of an aesthetic problem. It's just the way it looks, so they're <laughs> they're not bothered by it. So, you know, as far as treating it, you know, a lot of folks will just put shirts on their dogs and kind of give them doggy clothing to kind of hide the little embarrassing spots. Um, right. But that might yeah. be something you could try with, with okay. that route is see how that goes. And, um, you know, certainly you can talk to your vet a little bit more about the dosage, which might be appropriate for your dog there. Okay. Thanks for your call, Donna. One- 1-866-405-8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now.
Well, this delectable and delicious serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Bar Naturals, canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more at redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. All right. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets or we're going to be eaten alive. If you've ever shared your home and heart with a charmingly naughty animal who's always up to mischief, you'll fall in love with MacGyver, the matchmaking klepto kitty in The Secret Life of Mac by Melinda Metz. Hilarious and heartwarming, this possum romantic comedy will have you laughing out loud as Mac, the thieving tabby, steals your heart. The Secret Life of Mac by Melinda Metz is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Visit kensingtonbooks.com for more info. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks, and I've got some really important dog health information that I think everybody should be aware of. It all began when a young dog imported from South Korea into Western Canada late last year happened to bring along a disease, the Asia-1 strain of canine distemper virus, or CDV, uh, which until October, when that dog came into Canada, it had never been reported in North America. Scientists at Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine identified that virus in the dog, which they suspect was part of a shipment of animals rescued from the Korean meat market. Dogs that are already immunized against distemper, though, they say, should not be at risk from the Asian strain. However... You know, there's always that but. They say viral disease experts are really concerned because if this particular Asia 1 strain of distemper gets out into the wildlife population, then it's going to be here in North America forever because you can't get rid of it, according to the experts, once a disease hits wildlife. Canine distemper virus is also, it's very highly contagious and commonly travels between hosts uh, through the air emitted when uh, dogs bark or cough and also through urine and feces. It starts with respiratory symptoms like coughing and pneumonia and then progresses into gastrointestinal illnesses and neurological problems. And most dogs in the U.S. do receive vaccines for canine distemper virus or CDV to protect against the, you know, what we already have here, the uh, North American strains of the disease. But keeping new infectious organisms out of the U.S. turns out is very challenging because experts say there is virtually no federal oversight of imported companion animals, those that we have as pets. For you anti-vacciners, this is just another good reason to make sure that when you get a new puppy, uh, and I don't know if it's the same for cats, but you get that distemper vaccine. The Trust for Public Land, I love this study. They do it every year, and they've released their latest assessment of the nation's dog parks. From this new assessment, we find out that there are now 810 off-leash dog parks, and that's just in the nation's 100 largest cities. So they've been keeping track since uh, 2009. They say the number of dog parks in those bigger cities in the U.S. has increased by 42%. That's pretty incredible. 
Now, the city with the most dog parks, and this makes a lot of sense, is New York City because they've, you know, such a huge city. They've got 145 dog parks alone in New York City. This list or rankings that I have for you now, it's based on the number of off-leash dog areas per 100,000 people. And based on that qualifier, the top cities for dog parks in America are Boise, Idaho, because they've got 5.7 dog parks per 100,000 residents. In Portland, Oregon, they have 5.4 for 100,000 residents. And Henderson, Nevada, five dog parks per 100,000 residents. That's one for every 20,000 people. That's pretty amazing. Um, other cities in the top 10 include, maybe you're in this uh, these cities, Norfolk, Virginia, fourth place. San Francisco and Tampa, Florida, tied for number five on the list. And then Las Vegas and Madison, Wisconsin, they tied for seventh. In ninth place is Oakland, California. And at number 10, right outside Washington, D.C., the city of Arlington, Virginia. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, everybody. This is Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And as my friends would say, Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Joey Bologna, the dog father, saunters into the studio. You know, as most of us walk into the studio, some of us schlep into the studio, but... Uh, he has a certain swagger. He does, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Like, he owns the place. Uh, swagger? You swagger yes. like nobody's business. There you go. <laughs> I like swaggering. So what's going on? So I, wanna, I got a question for you guys. Okay. Um, do you guys ever w- want to or think about cutting your pet's nails? I mean, is it something that oh, yeah. you we do. desire to do? Oh, we got it. We you do? Yeah. yeah. We got to do, well, okay. the, sorry to burst your bubble, but the dog, we got to do, you know, her nails get long. And the cat we do occasionally. But I got to tell you, if you're a single person, it's got to be tough because it is a two-person job yeah. for us. Well, what, the, the reason why I ask is um, I always get a lot of people that ask about, you know, cutting nails at home, and I never can understand why. Um, and I guess, I guess most people really don't um, cut nails at home, so they don't know what they're going to probably encounter. Mm. Um, and, and it's not the cutting of the, 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 the nails too short. It's the um, screaming and the biting um, usually that happens yeah. after you cut that first nail, unless you got a, you know some really good pets. But people that want to do nails at home, let me just say this. Um, you got to have the right equipment. It's, it's, it's really important. Um, you know, professional um, style nail clippers, and they're not all that expensive. I mean, they range anywhere from 5 to maybe $15 at the most. Um, Matter of fact, I've just seen a pair of cat nail clippers in the dollar store. Um, oh yeah, and um, they were actually they were actually decent ones, stainless steel ones. But the first thing you want to do is make sure you get the right size. Now a lot of people say, "Well, I can use my my big ones on a small dog." You can, but it's it it it's just not the proper tooling. Work with what you have. If you have a small dog, use small nail clippers. If you have a cat, use cat nail clippers. If you have a large breed, use large breed nail clippers. Um, it's going to make it a lot easier for you. Secondly, and this is important, you need styptic powder, okay? Something that's going to, if you cut it too short, which is called a quick, 
um, it's going to bleed. So what you want to do is you want to have something. Now it's really important that that you try not to hit the quick because you're just going to you know traumatize your pet forever. Sure. Whether it's a dog and especially a cat, that once you quick a cat, forget it, you'll never cut their nails again. <laughs> sure, sure. In, um, in a pinch, if you didn't have styptic powder, styptic powder, that's easy for me to say, huh? Could you use cornstarch? It works. It um, does work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work as good. Okay. You see, the whole thing is now. I, w- I want to dismiss a fallacy. Okay. Um, they're not going to bleed to death. It's not going to happen. Okay. But they're going to bleed, and it's going to be messy. And but it's it's a clean cut. So it's like you know when when you shave and you cut yourself with a razor blade. Well, it's so clean that it's going to bleed for a while. Just like you know if you cut your face or if you're a woman, you cut your legs. Um, shaving is the same thing. So the cornstarch is going to coagulate it, but it may take a little. If you have the styptic powder or even a bar of soap, if you got a bar of soap, it's going to burn a little bit. If you need to stop it right away, you know, you just run that on the bottom. More or less, it's going to seal the area, um, and hopefully the blood will coagulate at that point, and it doesn't, it doesn't bleed anymore. Anyway, that all being said, um, you need to have that um, handy. Now, on a pink nail um, or a clear nail, you can actually see the vein. If you look, you'll see it's, um, you know, a pink um, inlay, it's, which is, you know, usually like a funnel-type looking thing in there. And you want to get as close to that as possible without hitting it. Now, why do I want to get so close? Because you want it to recede. So if I get real close, it's going to retract back into the bed of the nail, and you'll be able to cut it shorter um, a little bit each time. And over time, you can get it down to where they need to be. A black nail is a little bit harder. Yep. And what I tell people is start out um, short. I mean, start out by taking, when I say short, by taking off a little bit. And you're going to look at it. And the nail is going to be, once you cut it, it's going to have a white center. And when you see a little piece of black peeking through the center, that means you're right at the quick and you can, and you can back off. Now, one thing that they have is really cool, and I've actually worked with them to see if they work, and they do, is they have a nail clipper, and it's not that expensive. It's like $15, $20 at the most. has a quick finder in it. Okay, so what it does, it has three lights. It has a red, a yellow, and a green. Okay, and what you want to do is you want to get it between the, um, you, know, you want to get the yellow light to turn on and cut. And that means you're as close as possible. And they work. They do they work. They work really good. It was actually, it was actually a lot of fun <laughs> messing with them because I'm like, this doesn't work. And it, it worked every time. You so tried one of those, really, didn't you, Hal? I don't remember it working. It didn't work for you? Maybe you had well, a. I err on the conservative side. Well, fortunately, our animals have clear nails, so we can see. No, that's not true. Your dog has black nails. One black nail. A couple of black nails. But the last thing that I want to throw in there is this. You know what? Don't ruin your pet's experience. If if you're not comfortable doing this, I would say don't do it because your uncertainty is going to make them uncertain, and they're going to dread this every time, and it, it needs to be done. Or just go to your professional. They're not, it's not that expensive. Um, How much do you, do you charge? Twenty dollars. Twenty bucks. As you go to. Between 10 and 20, most groomers, veterinarians, um, that's all. I mean, I don't know about the veterinarians because they may charge you a house call visit. How much do you charge for a nail clipping over there? Oh, I want to say it's like $14. $14, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. See, that's good. That is good. It's cheap. It keeps your pets um, in, in, you know, foot in good health, and it's necessary, so... Okay. Well, if you want to talk to Joey right now, toll-free 1-866-405-8405 or for Dr. Debbie... This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Embrace Pet Insurance. 
providing nose-to-tail accident and illness coverage for your dog or cat that can be customized to fit your budget and your needs. Simply take your dog or cat to any vet, submit a claim form, and get reimbursed quickly. Learn more over at EmbracePetInsurance.com to get a quote. And thank you, Embrace, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. That's my dog, Annie. She's healthy now, but recently she broke her leg and I had to rush her to the vet. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. They covered her surgery and reimbursed the claim quickly. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses that you can personalize to fit your budget. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com to get a free quote. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Visit EmbracePetInsurance.com for coverage details. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And uh, we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, in fact, I believe Lori had a news story about this gentleman, Steve Munt. He owns cats. He had a cat that unfortunately expired, and he has the remains of that cat and wants to send that cat up into space. And at the time, the report we had said that he worked at NASA, which we understand is actually not the case. Uh, Steve joins us right now. Hi, Steve. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you? Very good. So you actually worked on software for the Hubble Space Telescope, and you did not work at NASA. Am I to understand that? Yeah, that is correct. I worked at at an aerospace contractor in the 1980s and uh, worked on NASA projects over there. Uh, Story kind of went crazy as it went national and international, so there were errors that got introduced into the story. Yeah, it took a life of its own. But essentially, you want to send the remains of your cat up into space, and this would actually be the first cat. Now, dogs have been sent up, but this would be the first cat's remains sent to space? Uh, That is correct. Is, are you raising money for this? Well, where I'm at right now, I started uh, a GoFundMe, uh, which had been directed um, originally toward my Twitter followers. Um, I am still raising money over there, but I did want to secure the flight, so I actually have signed the contract and made a payment on my credit card. Oh, wow. Okay, so when is it going to happen? Do you know? Uh, I am waiting right now for assignment to a flight. And details on a flight date. Uh, right now, I anticipate it will happen within the next 18 months. And why do you want to do this? I mean, it seems like a great way to memorialize your animal, but uh, is there any other reason? Uh, there actually is. You know, Pikachu was very special uh, to our family, uh, you know, people-wise and our cat family as well. Um, Pikachu uh, helped another cat of ours, uh, a cat Z, who um, had some pretty serious illness and has had a lot of medical treatment, including a blood transfusion, stem cell therapy, uh, and acupuncture for chronic kidney disease. Uh, Pikachu showed up uh, at a time where Z just needed some uh, re-energizing, and Pikachu was able to do that uh, in an amazing way. Uh, Z has a Twitter account with over 12,000 followers, and Pikachu... Uh, has been featured on that account, and uh, 
Z's followers have really fallen in love with Pikachu, and they followed the story as Pikachu became ill and had uh, a hospitalization and ultimately died. And uh, literally thousands of people on Twitter were mourning along with me. And when I was looking for a way to uh, memorialize Pikachu in a special way, I was looking for something that I could do not only uh, for our family, but something that could include uh, our Twitter followers as well. Hmm. And space, a space launch just seemed to, to fit the bill. Uh, Z on the Twitter account has been personified, uh, and there's a very scientific uh, kind of feel uh, to the Twitter feed. And uh, this is something that once Pikachu goes up, uh, the satellite can be cracked at all times. Wow. That's cool. People can know where the satellite is, and so this is something that the Twitter followers can basically know when uh, Pikachu is flying overhead. Okay, that's cool. So uh, go ahead, give out your Twitter address. Uh, The Twitter address is uh, GrowingUpZ. That's uh, Z-E-E. Growing Up Z, and we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Steve, thank you so much for telling us your story today. I appreciate your time. Okay, well, thank you. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye. We have a 300-pound pig at the office today. (laughs) (laughs) It's not nice to talk about your staff. Oh, that's horrible. And actually, you know, we should be referring to it as a hog because it's actually a domestic pig. Yeah, it's not a potbelly pig. It's actually like a feeder pig that has been rescued and taken in as a pet pig. So why is it there? Well, um, Jack was um, losing his testes today. <laughs> oh, getting neutered. How old is Jack? You know, I'm not sure how old Jack is, um, just because of the rescue situation, but he was a sweetie. He was actually in the, got out of his vehicle and walked into our clinic. Does Jack live with any other pigs? Uh, why? Why is he getting neutered? Well, that's the whole thing. He was taken in as a rescue, so the hope is that we can um, get him into a a housing situation that could be appropriate, because obviously a 300-pound pig is not the norm for most people. When they uh, reach maturity, do they get... I don't think my question was answered. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what was your question? Did I I dodge it? Why would you neuter him? Oh, okay, yeah. In- yeah, they, you know, male pigs can be very um, aggressive That's if they're my, not neutered. That yeah. was my question. So he has been a gentleman with us, um, but we actually did have um, a, uh, a shoe injury. Uh, one of our receptionists was um, <laughs> taking video for Instagram and Facebook, and um, her she got stepped on, and her shoe just tore. Um, so, yeah, lesson learned that they're very big and strong. Um, but, yeah, so you do not want either a female pig that is in heat um, becoming aggressive with you or a male pig um, being territorial. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons we spay and neuter but then also we just don't want um other pigs that might be kept in the same area to breed uh, or wild pigs you know a lot of areas of the country have wild pigs we don't want them to bust into a yard to breed um, uh, yes. can, we, can we see this on instagram is it uh the whole thing the whole horrid shoe incident on instagram you know what the shoe incident did not make film oh. i i was kind of sad about that i asked that same question but no we have some some cute video and photos of him he is um he is a sweetie and what is the instagram page do you know what the i honestly don't is? know really well yeah. you got to leave it to the geeky little millennials don't you
I do. Yeah. I know Facebook, but that's about all. <laughs> Judy says she'll find out after the show and put a link over at the website if anybody's interested in that. Okay. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. From the Red Barn Studios, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks, and here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Ah, you've tuned in just at the right time. We are moments away from Dave Barry. Author and writer, columnist Dave Barry will he's be so funny. You. Ladies, I got to ask you. I'm, I'm going to hold up this picture of Dave Barry. Uh, Yay! And he's on the front cover of his his latest book. And not a lot of authors actually put their own photo on the front cover, but he has. Right. And uh, so I'm going to ask you, Judy, how old does he look in this picture here? Boy, I'd say fifty. 60? Is 50s? that a current Yeah. Yeah, it's a current Well, it's less than a year old, I think. I'd say he's late 50s, early 60s Yeah, would be my guess. Really? Yeah. And that's even, I think, even pushing it. I mean, he looks very young. He is 70 years old. Wow. In this wow, I was going to say 55. Yeah. Wow. And I'm pretty sure it's all the humor in his life and the animals <laughs> that keep him young and looking like that. I hope I look that young. You know what? I already look older than that. And <laughs> not anywhere no, you near. don't. You do not. <laughs> I don't usually read. Uh, I, I could stop the sentence right there. <laughs> I, I don't usually read hard tactile books. I usually, it's my iPad and my Kindle is what I, uh, but I picked uh-huh. this one up because I wanted to find out a little bit about what he's writing about. Very funny, hilarious book called Lessons from Lucy. And we'll talk to him in just a few minutes. Lucy, of course, being his dog. What kind of dog is that? Do you know? She looks like she's a black lab, but she's gray muzzle now because she's, she's older. She's an elderly dog. Okay. She's still around, right? Yes, she is. Oh, good. Got to clarify that. Yes. Boy, wouldn't that have been a faux pas? I get on with my, all nervous with Dave Barry, my idol, and uh-huh. ask him about his dead dog. Yeah. That, that would be, that wouldn't have worked. No. <laughs> no. And at the bottom of the hour, we do a check of the news with our Lori, our Miss Brooks. And what do you have today? Oh, that was such an old show. Huh? That was. I, Dave Barry would really like that reference there. I know. You know, if I weren't already married, I would um, think about Mr. Barry. He's yeah. pretty handsome. And you know we're all attracted to, all of all of the women here on this show, to guys who just love their animals, their pets. It's just sexy. Yeah. It is. Definitely. Hey, I'm going to tell you about... Um, it's not a happy story by any means, but we're making huge strides in the law recognizing what our pets mean to us. And one woman in California who has been awarded $60,000 for her dog by the court. We can tell you that story. And you know, there's always that old saying, a boy and his dog. I'm going to tell you a story about a girl and her duck. (laughs) Quack, quack. Okay, that's on the way in just a couple of minutes. Hey, Roger. Hi, good. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Very good. Pretty good. Trying to get home. Where's home? Say, uh, Grand Island, Nebraska. Nebraska? Okay. How can we help you today? Um, I called a couple weeks ago and told you about my four-legged heroes. Well, one of my heroes 
as a as a problem. Actually, both of them do, but uh, the one I want to address right now is a cat. Um, well, we have our computer in the living room, and we have our office chair there, and the old one, he just shredded it from his claws, you know, digging in. And oh, yeah. uh, we bought a new chair, and we're trying to keep him away from it. I even gave him the old chair and put it in a room where he sleeps all the time, and that doesn't even do any good. He still likes that new chair. Oh, oh yeah. It's something we could do different. Well, you gave him a brand-new chair. That's He's thanking you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's not unusual. Is I've had that happen before where people will, you know, get a whole new couch, they put a new one in there, and the kitty does the same behavior because it's still the same uh, place, it's the same behavior, so nothing in his world has changed. So the challenge is to try to train the kitty to not use the chair as the preferred spot. So um, this is where, um, have you ever used a scratching post for him? Uh, I have put other things up there for him to scratch on. He still likes the chair. Yeah, preference there. Well, there's some things we can do. And the tough thing with cats on scratching on things, we can't always do a negative deterrent. Um, they, we don't want to yell at them. We don't want them to see us reprimand them because then they've associated that with us and they're not associating it with the behavior. So um, we really focus on positive reinforcement and then just blocking the area and cutting off access. So as positive reinforcement, that's where we get the alternate site. We get a uh, scratching post or a kitty condo. We feed the kitty there. We throw treats. We throw catnip there. We make that a very good spot. And if you have to, you put it next to that chair or you put it somewhere where he can still see it in the environment that he wants to scratch. Because scratching is a marking behavior. It's a way that kitties in a social environment spread their scent and basically say, all is good, this is my house. They don't realize they're being destructive in the world. So we want to give him that outlet. We want to train him to that positively, make it a good thing. And then at the same time, then we can try some tips to try to keep him away from that office chair that you don't want him to use. And everybody has their different preferences. Um, I've had some clients that have great success with the double-sided tape. Um, sticky paws, which is a particular type of that. You put on the area, and it just kind of feels uncomfortable for the kitty. It doesn't really hurt them, um, but that can be very useful. Um, as far as you can always cover the chair with something so it feels different to the touch, because cats love the feel when they're scratching, and that's really what attracts them to that area. So if you cover the chair, at least the part he can access with uh, aluminum foil or even just a plastic wrap, it's going to feel different to him, and he, he may not not have that same draw to want to scratch on that and uh, you can use like the spray bottle method uh, I have some clients that swear that's the best thing but you just the cat cannot see you direct the spray bottle or the squirt bottle at the kitty or you know the game is off and, and now that they're just afraid of you and they think you're gonna chase them yeah. so th okay. those are some good things and so you can look into some other would you get? what kind of What's spray that? would you get um, oh, really? A water mister, or you can get a squirt gun, just a small, you know, don't get out the super soaker squirt guns. <laughs> There's no reason to, you know, totally soak the kitty. Yeah. But, don't um, use the so those... super soaker anymore, Judy. you got to put that away. That yeah, was okay. par apparently too much. 
Yeah, the fire hose is too much. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, you know, then there's some other things. Um, and some people have some good success with some of the compressed air um, items that are used for training cats. If you try to keep them off of couches or counters, there's these little containers that you can buy on the Internet and pet catalogs and so forth that when the pet goes by a certain area, it gives a puff of this compressed air like you're cleaning your, your computer keyboard. And they don't like the sound of it. It doesn't hurt them. But you can set that up strategically in the area you don't want the kitty to go right by that chair. And that can be another training tool that doesn't hurt and, and it associates the kitty associates the area with something they're supposed to avoid. So that might be another thing I'd try for you. And get yourself a scratching post and teach them the right place to go. You know what we did is we took our cats and we actually held their claws up to the scratching post and, and rubbed it on the scratching post so they get their scent on it. And mm-hmm. they just went from our couch right to the scratching post and it was really I don't know were we lucky I don't know because you hear about this problem we know that you cannot declaw this will cause all kinds of other problems and I I don't want to go that way with this but you know another trick I found is to put their bed by the scratching post because the first thing a cat does when he wakes up is wants to scratch wants to do a little stretch and you know what they need to scratch and stretch this is a whole this is a part of their lifestyle the other thing Mm -hmm. of course if you can afford it cement furniture works very well (laughs) There you go. Um, but I don't have no problem with him getting up and scratching because even I'm gone, he sleeps on my side of the bed. Uh, sleeps on my pillow. He's and replacing the, and, uh, you. That's what he's doing. He loves it when I get home and takes a nap. He curls up right beside me close to him, get to me, and he'll take a nap with me. So, I appreciate it's so- it. Well, my pleasure, and it, uh, good luck with that, and uh, you know, give them a hug and a nice little scratch behind those ears for us. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. Give us a call at 1-866-405-8405. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Critter Cops. There's a new way to find lost pets, and it's becoming pretty popular all over the USA. It's Critter Cops. You'll get huge media blasts to thousands of people about your lost pet, They also offer specialized services for stolen pets. Try the new way to find lost pets and increase your chances of a reunion. Visit CritterCops.net. And thanks, CritterCops, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, everybody. This is Kenny Lee Lewis from the Steve Miller Band. Just want to tell everybody out there on Animal Radio, thanks for loving your pets. And now an Animal Radio News Brief. I'm Stacy Cohen for Animal Radio. Colorado man in a heap of trouble for drunk driving, but he was drunk while he was riding his horse. The University of Colorado police say 45-year-old Patrick Schumacher was taken into custody in Boulder right after police officers found him on top of a horse visibly intoxicated. Schumacher was apparently riding his steed 600 miles to his brother's wedding in Utah. Wonder when is it? Like next year or what? He told authorities he had decided to travel by horse after he lost his driver's license. Hmm, wonder how that happened. A search of his saddlebag turned up several beer cans and a small pistol. After spending the night in jail, he was released from custody, reunited with his horse so he could continue on his trek. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animal 
Dogs are people too. In Long Island, a dog named Bentley took his owner's car for a joyride and ended up crashing into a coffee shop. The 50-pound dog's owner, musician Brian Mayer, said he just wanted to keep his best friend warm, so he left his car running while he ran into the Cool Beans Coffee House to sign up for an open mic night. The next thing I knew, Mayer explains, I looked up to see my van coming at me in the window with Bentley in the driver's seat grinning at me. Luckily, there were no injuries, although a window and some patio furniture were damaged. Bentley seemed to enjoy the ride, wagging his tail happily after he got out. The owner of the coffee shop took it all in stride, calling Bentley a really sweet dog. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. This hour, Dave Barry, author, writer, comedian, Dave Barry will be joining us. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a little bit nervous about this. You're nervous? Well, you know, he's not only a great writer, but he's been in a couple of movies. He had a sitcom that ran for two seasons called Dave's World Uh that was about being him. Being Dave. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, I'm a little nervous about Mm -hmm. this. Uh, Smokey Robinson, he also made me nervous, but turned out to be uh, not a, much of an animal lover. Uh, I hate that I missed that one. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we know he's already an animal lover, so yeah. I mean that should be like the the in that makes yeah. you feel instantly more like at home with him. I have a connection. His book is about his dog. There you go. Okay, I feel akin already. Okay, I'm sure he'll be gentle with me. Uh, so he'll be on the show in just a few minutes here. Uh, also, your calls. In fact, we're going to go to the phones right now for Dr. Debbie at one 405 8405 You can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Are we going to line seven? Yes. Okay. And we have Bill there. Hey, Bill, how are you doing? Hey, pretty good. Uh, got a question for you. I have a 12-pound little, like a Morky mix dog, and uh, about uh, last Sunday, not this Sunday, uh, just passed, but uh, yesterday, but the week before that, uh, I noticed it started uh, throwing up uh, white uh, foamy substance with a little bit of yellow in there, and it looks like, uh, for instance, like a bubble bath. You make a bubble bath and uh, bubbles and stuff, uh, or soap, uh, just a bunch of foamy uh, material, and there's no food in there at all, just that... uh, Bubbles white and there's a little bit of yellow, and uh, the dog hasn't changed. Uh, it's still uh, eating good, and it's uh, got plenty of energy. Uh, the only thing, uh, about four times on different days, I noticed that uh, I see uh, some of that white uh, foamy stuff. Uh, I caught it. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure if it uh, needs to go to the vet for sure, or it's got some kind of a, just a stomach issue. Uh, maybe you can help me out on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, was having a little trouble hearing. How long has the vomiting been going? That's more than one day, right? Yeah, it's about a week, four times I've noticed since last Sunday, not this Sunday, but yesterday, but the week before that, that started doing it. 
and uh, like every two days or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. I'd notice that. But just a foamy substance, and then uh, no food coming out of there, just yellowish a little bit, and but mainly white, and uh, with a little tint of yellow, and uh, uh, nothing's okay. changed. I think uh, I'm not 100 sure, but the dog uh, may have eaten some bird food. Uh, you know, those bird food that you could buy that's all glued together. It's like it looks like a bell. It's for birds, and they. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, stick on it and they eat it. Uh, I found some of that in the house. The, the fell off the uh, line and uh, they drug it into the house. And they may have eaten that, but I'm not 100 percent sure if they did if he did or not. You know what I mean? Okay. And is the doggy eaten um, eaten regularly now, or we do you have a good appetite? Yes, it's, everything's the same. Uh, it, it's got plenty of energy. Uh, you can't tell the difference. Uh, uh, nothing else has changed that I noticed. It's uh, eating good and they're running around and playing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the uh, foam issue. Uh, I was going to yeah. go to the bed this afternoon, but I got uh, what? Uh, might as well talk to you guys and mm-hmm. see if that's a common issue sometimes, or what do you guys think? Well, I definitely think anytime we have vomiting that's occurring over a, a more lengthy period of time. Now, if you were just to say this vomiting happened once, one day, yeah. maybe the next, and it was over, you know, I might be more apt to dismiss it if everything else yeah. was going well and we're eating, we're running around, the poops are normal. But, you know, over a week's period of time, if we still have kind of chronic intermittent vomiting, I, yeah, I, th- I think we need to take a look at it. And okay. there certainly are possibilities from anything from parasites to foreign bodies to, you know, infections, you name it. And, and it does, you know, have me a little concerned about some of those, uh, you know, those bird seed things that are kind of glued together and all of that. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. that can act like a mass effect, um, just like, you know, even like a nub of a rawhide bone or even like um, an yeah. edible bone. They can still cause um, digestive upset. So, yeah, I think it's a good idea to see the veterinarian. Yeah, I'll definitely go to the vet this afternoon. But have you ever seen that just the white, the uh, uh, foamy, bubbly stuff before like that uh, in your experience? Yeah, the I mean, the white foam, definitely that can be just a, a kind of a combination of saliva, mucus, and then uh-huh. the yellow tends to kind of fall more in line with gastric acids, bile, yeah. that kind of thing. So if uh-huh. we've got a combination of those things, yeah, it doesn't necessarily narrow it down. Yeah. For me, yeah. what what does really become important is it, you've done a great job of describing that, and that is important as we think of things that could be or could not be. Yeah. So if uh-huh. I hear yellow, then I think, you know, that's really coming from the digestive tract, because there are dogs that will cough or gag up foam and that's actually can come from their respiratory tract so it is important to really describe that and and also to describe whether or not the pet is actively heaving and dry heaving before they bring up the stuff or if they just kind of go and comes right out of their mouth Uh so yeah okay sounds good uh thanks for your help i appreciate it okay Take care of yourself 1-866-405-8405 it's toll free to the dream team here at animal radio this portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Kensington Books. Inspired by true stories of cats who've been caught stealing from their humans, The Secret Life of Mac by Melinda Metz is a hilarious and heartwarming novel about an adorable klepto kitty with a passion for thievery and a sideline in helping the humans in his life find the love they deserve. The Secret Life of Mac by Melinda Metz is available everywhere books are sold, and you can learn more at kensingtonbooks.com. And thank you, Kensington, for underwriting Animal Radio. By the way, if you happen to have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's books. They're Kindle books. Speaking of Kindle reads, 
How did you pick those particular breeds and why? Well, the, it, really, the Yorkshire Terrier jumped out because Boss, um, we DNA tested him, and he's half Yorkshire Terrier. So that was really the kind of the whole draw that I had to the project. And then the other breeds are just so common, popular. I, I see all dogs, but <laughs> I'd have to say uh, those are some of the great representations of what I see in practice. If you want to find out more, head on over to our website at animalradio.pet. We have links over there. Or just head to Amazon and put Dr. Debbie White in. Yorkshire Terriers, Shih Tzus, Pugs, Mini Schnauzers, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. They are four different books. Someone asked me about that the other day. They thought it was one uh, book, but it is four different four books. Different. Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. Koenigsegg sold 125 copies of its $3 million Jesco mega car within five days of its debut. That's $375 million of sales in just five days. The new Jesco is the highest volume production run that Koenigsegg have ever done. The company plans to build one per week once production starts in 2020. The carbon fiber mid-engine coupe comes in two configurations, track and top speed. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Our Auto Expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Now, we've done a lot of stories about finding somebody online that can help you with your pet, you know, dog walkers, pet sitters, all kinds of things. And then, of course, we've also heard a lot of stories about the sad things that can happen when we do that. For example, a woman in Napa, California, uh, whose German Shepherd died while in the care of a dog trainer she had found online, she has been awarded now $60,000 by a county court because she ended up suing this trainer for negligence, breach of contract, and also a host of violations of state health and safety codes after a necropsy on her dog revealed that he had died from heat stress or hyperthermia after 17 days in the trainer's care. And she had paid the trainer $6,000. And in many cases, what they'll do, you contact them and they send somebody to pick up your dog so you don't really get to meet that person. You Hmm. go by supposed reviews or whatever. But police officers had been um, investigating and they found inhumane and cruel conditions at the home where they believe the dog had likely been held. God, I would never so. hand my dog over to somebody. I, I, I had friends who did this in, oh gosh, probably the early 90s. And, you know, just somebody comes to pick up the dog and the dog goes off like to camp. Um, they had tons of money. It was no big deal for them. But I think that was a different time and era. And, and the pet industry, like we talk about so often here, uh, the pet industry of every aspect of it is just exploding right now. There are so many pets. The millennials are, are just, you know, snapping up pets left and right. And, and they're a, a different kind of pet owner. They're looking online for these kind of things, you know, yeah, but bad things happen. And where there's money involved, there's going to be bad people. So money, pet exactly. industry is big. So now these people, all these, you know, crooks are figuring out how to get in on it. You said it much better than I did, Judy. That is exactly the point. Now, I'm going to leave you with some happy news today, okay? Um, a lot of kids go to the park to see ducks. Heck, I, I'm, you know, how old? And I go to the park to see ducks just because I love it. But eight-year-old Kylie Brown, who lives in Maine, actually takes her duck to the park. (laughs) 
You see the difference there? So Kylie wanders off to the park with her duck and her parents, of course. But if you miss this viral story about Kylie and her duck, the duck's name is Snowflake. It's a great story. She takes the duck to the pond at her park, and Snowflake even returns to her when she calls its name. And it's out there in the middle of dozens of other ducks. He's like, hey, that's my mom. And everybody (laughs) says that Kylie is definitely Snowflake the duck's mom. According to Kylie's parents, they say Snowflake the duck had to be by their daughter's side uh, 24-7 since the day they brought him home. So they finally brought him into the house, put a diaper on him, and now he's a house duck. It's adorable. It's very, very I want a duck. I mean, you know, she really... She is the duck's mother. I mean, you know, you see some animals that bond to other species. Same thing, except this duck bonded to a human. Hmm. I love it. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news. We've got it all the time for you at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. The amazing Dave Barry is joining us. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you guys? Very good. Go ahead. Set the scene. I imagine you in a lounge chair with a pipe and a dog <laughs> sitting next to you. Nope. I have no pipe. Um, I, I do have a hypodermic needle because I live in Florida. No. No, no <laughs> pipe. I'm in my uh, my office where I work. Um or if you call it work. And usually my dog, Lucy, would be lying on the floor right next to me because she likes to spend the day here. But at the moment, she is taking a walk. I told her she had a chance to be on animal radio, and she chose to walk. You know what? <laughs> I understand that. I'm I glad completely you did didn't. that. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't choose to walk. <laughs> so I'm looking at your new book, and I'll talk about your book in just a couple of seconds. But the, the, the picture on the cover really doesn't say 70 years old to me. You talking about me or Lucy? I'm talking about you. <laughs> you do not look 70 years old. In fact, well, I, I, thank you very much. I am 70. Actually, I'm 71 now. When that picture was taken, I was 70, and turning 70 was kind of the impetus for the book. But yeah, I'm, I am old. I'm an old guy now, and Lucy's an old dog. That was the idea. Well, I figure your, your youthful look must be all the humor in your life, right? Yeah, I think going several decades without doing any productive work is good for a person. <laughs> And I recommend it to everyone, especially the federal government. But <laughs> I, anyway, is uh, is Lucy your only pet? Yeah. Uh, well, unless do you count fish as I mean, sure. I kind of don't. Well, OK, we have a, a, a number of fish um, that I don't really know much about because my wife spends her life trying to keep them alive. Um, but I, I I only count Lucy and Lucy is is my my main pet, and I've always, I've, I've tried to always have a dog, because um, dogs are wonderful pets, as everybody knows. What do you think of cats? Um, I don't know. I'm a little reluctant to comment <laughs> on, a, on a show that probably has a lot of cat fans. Um, but I, my only thing about cats is okay. I like, I take Lucy sometimes to a dog park, and at the dog park, the dogs are all running around playing with each other. And their owners are naturally kind of gathered together. Even if you don't know the the owners of the other dogs. Yeah. If if your dog is playing with somebody else's dog, you end up talking with that person, and you it's a very social and happy occasion. I'm trying to imagine a cat park, and I, I picture a, it to be a field of 
people standing kind of each 20 to 30 feet apart from everybody else, <laughs> looking off in the distance, going, where the hell is my cat? <laughs> See, that's why cat people turn to videos. That's why there's so many cat videos, because that's the only way really to share your animal and to you socialize. You can prove you have a cat yeah. because you've you got a picture of it. I have had cats in my life, and, it, it, you know, I can't say I hated them, but I never, I never felt they liked me all that much. Um, and, and I had this one uh, cat experience. My sister loved all animals, and she had a cat. And she asked me to drive the cat for her like, from somewhere in New York to somewhere else in New York. I can't remember where. But I was a fairly young person, like 18, 17 years old. And I had this cat in a, I thought, safely secured in a crate in the back of the car, back seat. And while I'm zipping down the Taconic Parkway at 70 miles an hour, I suddenly realized the cat is directly under the accelerator pedal. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. And there's no real good way to handle that situation. You, if you reach down and try to grab the cat, the cat is not going to react well to that at all. Plus, you won't be able to see. Um, and I, I'm trying to hit the brake, but I didn't want to step on the cat. You know, I, I thought that would be a mistake. So I guess I, I can I can say that. Uh, I, I never really had a chance to have develop a good, meaningful, long-term relationship with a cat. Oh, I, I totally get it. You know, there's some people that are cat people. There's some people that are dog people and some people that are both. It's just right. the way the way of the world. I, I guess if you were both, you would have to have dogs and cats that got along pretty well, though, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, otherwise it, it'd be a nightmare. Yeah, it is a nightmare. I can testify to that. <laughs> so uh, your book, and uh, it's called Lessons from Lucy. It has uh, seven or eight lessons in it, and it just, I don't think of Dave Barry as a self-help author, really. No, no, that's, this is decidedly um, a departure. Usually when people read my books, they don't feel helped. They often come away from my books saying, that didn't help me at all. <laughs> or, I actually feel stupider now having read that book, thanks a lot. But, and, and I don't mean this to be a self-help book in the kind of classic Here's some stuff you don't know that I know that will make you a happier, better. It's actually nothing you don't know. Not a single thing in the book that pretty every pretty much every sane adult wouldn't know. Um, it's basically things that my dog Lucy does, and most dogs I think do, that make makes her they make her happy, even though she's getting old, like I'm getting old. Somehow she stays happy and joyful and positive and kind of always in the moment only just by doing things that I could do. I could do all of those things. And yet, like many people, especially people as they get on in years, you sort of stop doing a lot of things that make you happy. And that really was the premise of it. Now, I, I tried to be funny along the way, um, but that is what I'm trying to get to is things that Lucy, my dog, does that make her happy that I can do that make me happy, except for drinking from the toilet. Yeah. Well, you got you know, don't knock it till you tried it, Dave. Well, okay, I'm not saying I haven't tried it. I'm just saying don't do it. Okay. <laughs> well, a few of the lessons, uh I mean, it's like you say most of the lessons are are obvious, but sometimes we need someone to bring them to our attention and to put them into perspective. And one of them was uh let go of your anger. Let go of your anger. I hope you don't mind that I'm doing a little spoiler on your book here. I'm just, uh, I don't want to give it all away and everything like that. But you talk a little bit about no. road rage and how you effectively deal with yeah. road rage. I live, I live in Miami. Um, I moved here in 1986 from the United States. And it is a, 
different world here. To drive here, when I first got here, I thought, nobody in Miami uh, understands the traffic laws. I now know that everybody in Miami is driving according to the traffic laws of his or her individual country of origin. So we have, we have many, many different interpretations, for example, of the stop sign or the blinker or the yellow light. <laughs> Dave, hold on a second. We got to take a quick break. We're, we're with the amazing columnist, Dave Barry, and we'll be right back. This is Animal Radio, baby. Here is today's top automotive headline. I'm Nick Miles. When buying a new car, don't forget the resale value of how much cash that car will get you when you come to trade it in. In a recent study, the best resale values of any vehicles tend to be on light trucks and SUVs. At number three, the Toyota 4Runner. This truck-based SUV gets 54.2% on average. At number two, another Toyota, the Tundra. And the Toyota Tacoma takes the top spot, returning 61.1% of its original transaction price. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Our auto expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio. We are with columnist and author and an all-around amazing, funny guy, Dave Barry. And just before the break, we're starting to talk about road rage on Animal Radio. So how is this a lesson that your dog taught you? Like if somebody cuts me off in traffic, okay, that is annoying, but I don't really need to think about it the rest of the day. I don't need to wake up in the middle of the night still thinking about it, but I do. (laughs) And it's one of the wonderful things about dogs is they don't. I mean, they get mad. Like when the thing that really infuriates Lucy is when, and this happens every week, if you can believe it, men come and they take our garbage. She cannot. Yes. I don't know. She gets up to the window, right? It's in the office, right outside the office uh, window is where the, the garbage cans are. And she gets up there and just blasts that bark so angrily. She looks back at me like, "Can you? Be- are you going to just let them take our garbage? Are you just going to sit there and do nothing? You know, but then literally the second they go around the corner with, you know, with our garbage, she's like back on the floor. <sighs> Relax. She's done her job. She's not going to think about that again until it happens again. She is over for her. And I so envy that ability that she has to just let go of anger. This doesn't do you any good. I mean, mo- almost all of the stuff you get angry about, at least that I get angry about, is trivial and unimportant in the long run. It's just we have trouble seeing the long run when we, you know, at least I do. And, and, and Lucy doesn't. She just lets it go. So that's one of the things I have tried to emulate her in. I agree. I think we could all become more dog-like and we'd probably all get along better. <laughs> Much better. The book is called Lessons from Lucy. The Simple Joys of an Old Happy Dog. It's by Dave Barry, our guest right now. If you'd like a copy of it, I have 10 copies, nine copies to give, eight copies to give away <laughs> at 866-405-8405. Otherwise, head on over to Amazon or your favorite bookstore, if it still exists, and ask for Lessons from Lucy by Dave Barry, his latest. Dave, thanks so much for visiting with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And the best way to reach out to Dr. Debbie right now is toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. And let's go to Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Hello. Hi, Nick. 
Hello, Hal. How are you today? Very good. Thanks for calling. What's going on? Good. Well, my granddaughter had a Dumbo rat whose name was Coco, and she lived practically two years to the day. Wow. And um, Yeah, and I know they only live about two years, and that's how they're max. But anyway, she was very, very devastated, and we're going to get her something else soon. But wanted to know what uh, what Dr. Debbie thought was the best pet for somebody that's 11, that's kind of furry and fuzzy and cuddly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, for me, I'd have to say both young children and, you know, kind of the, the teen, little bit older kids, my favorite little fuzzy thing is really a guinea pig. Um, okay. And I, for a couple reasons. They do have a little bit longer lifespan. They're quite docile. And um, as far as handle handleability is is very good. Um, and okay. not that not that I don't like other species, but I think you know some of the real little critters like you know the rats, the hamsters, and the gerbils. You've got a couple challenges. Um, would your daughter be if your daughter was younger? That would be one concern. You know, she's definitely in an age group where I think that would be appropriate for handleability. Um, some of those also have some nippiness, you know, with the, the gerbils and the hamsters, so you have to be prepared for that. Um, mm-hmm. But the lifespan of all those critters is, is not much. So, yeah, rats about two years, gerbils, you know, maybe get three to four um, hamsters a year or two. So they're pretty short lifespan, so you just got to be prepared what for that. What about but, guinea you know, pigs? How long do they usually live? They live a bit longer, so about five years, maybe seven years would be kind of the longer end of things. Yeah, that would be better. So, yeah. Yeah, then Yeah. about time she was going off to, you know, college, and then that way it wouldn't be so devastating. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're still bunnies. Bunnies can make good pets. They are not for young children, Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, and they can have, uh, you know, great personalities, and they also live, you know, just as long, but, you know, even longer than uh, guinea pigs, so... Um, mm-hmm. But I just think that the the guinea pig is just such a winner. I guess maybe I'm yeah. jealous because I never had one as a kid, and uh-huh. I think uh-huh. they are, like, the most fun. Um, and they also, you know, they're great for teaching responsibility because they need to have mm-hmm. regular vet checks. So, you know, I would say at least six, every six months okay. a guinea pig should go okay. in to have a couple of things checked. Um, you know, if you're not trimming their nails at home, um, then you should be uh-huh. having that done at least every six months, uh-huh. but probably more often okay. than that. Um, The other thing we like to check on uh, a rodent exam is checking their teeth. Um, And guinea Mm -hmm. pigs and rabbits have constantly growing teeth, like most of these critters, but they can have some dental problems. So we want to look in the back of their mouths to see if there's any kind of overgrowing of their teeth. Um, Mm -hmm. So that also, you know, kind of teaches responsibility. But they're, you know, they're such fun little critters. And they come in so many different kind of colors and hairstyles. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think I would, that's what I would want. I would want to put a little bar red in their hair. (laughs) Than the Dumbo rat. Oh, yeah. Uh Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's perfect. Keep us posted. Send us pictures. Okay. I'll do that too. Thank you. Take care. Uh, guinea pigs, uh, no relation to any pigs whatsoever. That's just the name, right? They're rodents, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no. And you know what? If if I call next week and say, hey, I got a guinea pig, you guys are going to know why now. <laughs> <laughs> I think Boss would like a guinea pig. Uh, you know, they sometimes, my dogs, when they come to the clinic, um, they get really kind of amazed with the critters that are here. So the chickens and the rabbits. Um, the wildlife, all the things that we have. And they just think, I think they think, what the heck are they doing here in this little closed space? I don't understand. They're out usually running around and flying out there. So you can see the perplexed look on their face. (laughs) 
Well, I believe that's all the fun we are allowed to have legally by law for this week. But we'll come back and we'll do it again next week. If you need your fix during the week, visit us over at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Wink, wink. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.